0: Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom Mash. I'm Ethan.
1: And I'm Vanessa.
0: Vanessa, hello. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't do okay. that. Hi, how are you? <laughs>
0: well, okay. So, our opening topic this week uh, is. Do you remember learning about the Korean War? Because I do not. I feel like we did not learn about it. I feel like we learned about World War II, skipped over the Korean War, and went right to Vietnam. Korea is just kind of the, like, oh, yeah, that happened, and nobody really cares about it war, as far as the history books are concerned. But do you have any, like, recollection of really learning it in school?
1: So... I do a little bit. So it's funny that you say that, too, because the Korean War is called the Forgotten War because nobody remembers it. It gets, like, sucked up in between World War II and Vietnam, which were two, like, huge wars. And I don't think we've actually gotten to it yet in the series but it wasn't called a war for the longest time it was called a police action because it wasn't technically like a war it wasn't declared a war for the longest time i do remember learning about the korean war a little bit in school definitely not as much as world war ii or vietnam but it was definitely there in eighth grade and then again in 11th grade and then i also learned about it a little bit in college But I knew most about it in the context of MASH. Yeah, of course. And I remember always whenever they would ask us in school, what do you want to learn about in history class? I would always say the Korean War because I wanted to know more about it in the context of history, not just MASH.
0: You probably you probably freak some teachers out. They're like, Why do you care about the Korean War? That's And really I funny. you know
1: what? They always asked why do you want to learn this? And my grandfather fought in the Korean War. And oh. so I always said that was the reason. A little bit even more though-
0: respectable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though most of the reason was MASH, which is kind of, you know, weird. But hey, listen, I was like twelve, so
0: That's funny. Other than M.A.S.H., the only time that I ever really heard the Korean War being talked about was in another sitcom, That 70s Show, where the dad in that read... Uh, fought in the Korean War and brings it up, I think, in every episode. Uh, (laughs) So that's my experience with the Korean War, also on a goofy sitcom.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. That's so, well, that's a testament to the American education system right there. But anyway, (laughs) I wanted to Mm -hmm. talk about that too, because we actually get a date in this episode. So we'll get into it a little bit. But
0: this gotta be one of the few times we actually hear a date in the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, at least up until this point. So before we get into that, what did you think about this episode?
0: Oh, this episode ruled. Uh this episode was so good. See, on the MASH subreddit, this is an episode that's like <laughs> hyped up a little bit. This is one that a lot of people bring up as their favorite episode. So going in, I kind of was already a little bit excited, but It definitely lives up to the hype, but before we get super into it, I think we should explain what this episode is.
1: You're right, Uh, you're right. I'm just so excited to talk about it.
0: (laughs) So this episode was called Radar's Report, where we actually get a report from Radar of the events that happened over the week in the camp, including a POW in the OR, Klinger potentially getting his Section 8, and Hawkeye caring for a wounded nurse. Vanessa, this episode was wild. A lot of the episodes in season two up until now have been very sitcom-y and this brought it back to that kind of dramedy that uh, the show pioneered where there's a lot of actual intense drama in this one and it's played very well, but it's also very funny in certain parts. I just, I really enjoyed this one. This definitely is a top tier episode for me thus far.
1: That's so funny that you say that because I, first of all, did not know about the MASH subreddit loving this episode. I do really like this episode, but it's it's definitely not a favorite of mine. I do really like it and I am super excited to get into the episode. So that's really funny that this is such a top tier episode for you and so many other people where I'm like, okay, this is an episode of MASH, you know?
0: You've seen the whole scope. You've seen... Uh, when the show gets really dramatic, I have only had a, a taste of it so far. So I, I'm very much looking forward to uh seeing this kind of episode become more normal and less of a standout, you know, special episode. It opens with a very slow uh scene of Radar typing on a typewriter. And that was so like elongated like i feel like that carried on for so long Mm -hmm. that it was really funny
1: the part that i remember most of most about this maybe was when radar took off his glasses and was drinking his coffee and then started typing on the adding machine instead of um the typewriter because i thought that that was such a mood because i am blind without my glasses so it was very (laughs) very relatable (laughs)
0: Very relatable. That is true, too. Then, you know, Radar is kind of narrating in the way that Mm -hmm. Hawkeye has in the past with, like, Dear Dad episodes. And I really like that whenever there's narration in this show, it's always in the form of a letter or uh, a report of some kind. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting device, and I like that that's carried over across characters radar didn't have like much commentary on the like events that were happening but he definitely set up it wasn't like through radar's point of view for the episode but i like that he was the framing device that's sorry that's me being very nerdy about story structure
1: no i think that that's really cool too because it was more of a detached kind of factual report and it was very interesting to see how radar kind of not only was talking about the events but how he kind of had to frame the events in a way that was very like prim and proper for this report mm-hmm. meanwhile you know we'll we'll get into it but hawkeye is trying to date this nurse and radar has to put it in his report essentially but he can't say that oh dr pierce is you know trying to wine and dine this nurse so that he can get into her pants you know
0: <laughs> we'll talk about this but my favorite clinical approach of radars reporting was definitely Klinger getting his dress like snapped. Uh, that was so funny that he had to be like uh loss of property it it was so (laughs) (laughs) i really i really enjoyed
1: it so like i said before we do get a date and this report that radar is doing is over a period of time of about a week in the camp and so he says that it's October 15th, 1951. So again, the nerd in me wanted to be like, okay, what is this timeline that we're on here, right? So I was researching a little bit about the start of the Korean War. So it began on June 25th, 1950 with the crossing of the 38th parallel. And then the Battle of Osun was the first engagement between the US and North Korea, which was on July 5th, 1950. So if I had to wager a guess, we have been in M.A.S.H. for about a year, give or take at this point. So I thought that that was just a really interesting just kind of time setting into where M.A.S.H. was at the time.
0: Thank you for discussing that. I find that really interesting. I love the uh, historical aspect uh, that you sometimes bring to the show. Uh, I find it really interesting, even though I'm not the one who's like impulsed to like look this kind of stuff <laughs> up. But like hearing about it. I liked hearing these, uh, this like sitcom in a real world context. And I'm kind of sad that we're gonna lose that as the show goes on. Time just has to elongate with each season, you know? Like, I doubt that they're gonna clarify that it's like 1952 in season nine, you know? It's, they're just gonna <laughs> be like, try to forget that we've been here for so long
1: (laughs) yeah i really like i i want to continue to do this as we talk about the show as well to kind of put context in like where they are in the timeline of the korean war and i know that a lot more historical aspects of the korean war come up as the show goes on so it might be a little bit easier to kind of pinpoint the time in which they are supposed to be even though it goes on for 11 years so yeah so stay tuned i might be doing some more about that
0: (laughs) history corner we'll get you your own theme (laughs) it'll be a podcast within a podcast
1: yes (laughs) podcast segment (laughs) if you will
0: (laughs) yes perhaps so the plot really kicks into gear in a flashback in the or When this one POW from China, they clarify that he's a Chinese communist soldier, is brought in, and they start treating him like any other patient, and Frank is the only one being kind of a jerk about it, saying, like, he's the enemy, we shouldn't be treating him, and Hawkeye and Trapper and Henry are just like, shut up, do your job, Uh, Mm -hmm. which I always appreciate when Frank tries to be territorial about it, and they're just like, listen, man, we're doctors, we gotta treat everybody. But unfortunately, this patient uh, is awake and kind of gets very scared of what's happening around him. Father Mulcahy tries to calm him down by speaking in Chinese. I forget the word that he said, but it's supposed to mean like we come in peace or something like that. Uh, And this guy just kind of goes crazy gets up gets a knife and like it's very tense what do you think of this whole scene because i really love this scene this is definitely a dramatic way to start the episode
1: Yeah, so I really liked this scene. You got this foreshadowing event, almost, when I think Hawkeye says, you know, go easy on this guy, the way that they brainwash these soldiers, he is definitely not going to think that we're trying to help him, meaning, you know, the, the enemy in the Korean War is not going to think that American soldiers are going to be... Helping him, especially since they were coming at him with a mask to put on his face. He was probably terrified. Yeah,
0: like nitrous or whatever.
1: I thought the actor did such a good job of playing this like terrified person. And he slashed people. He slashed multiple people. And it was it was really, really intense. And I thought that it was very, very well done.
0: Yeah, it was very well shot. I think there are a few sequences that were like from his point of view and it made Mm -hmm. it like very intense and kind of like horrific. This is kind of a horror movie sequence playing out in this episode without being like over dramatic or overly uh gory. And like you said, uh whoever this actor was did a very good job of uh, performing this. I loved his eyes. His eyes were so wide and without him saying even a word of Chinese, like he didn't have any dialogue, you you did get like a sense of emotion from him. And it was like really cool and good and genuinely kind of violent because he does slash people and Henry you know we gotta break the tension somehow Henry is uh like saying we gotta calm down we gotta calm down and then he's screaming like somebody help and that was kind of funny and then Klinger comes in and like (laughs) disarms the guy and the guy slashes at his dress and like breaks a strap and then Klinger like pulls out like a shotgun and I was like oh my god where'd he get that from but, you know, that, that was how the, the situation was was resolved. And it was a, quite a way to to start an episode.
1: Yeah, I thought that the comedic relief of Klinger walking in and be like, what's going on in this dress? And kind of just being so Klinger about it mm-hmm. um, and kind of startling the uh, soldier. And <laughs> that's how they resolved the issue. And then Klinger was so mad about his dress. He was like, this is a $39 dress that you just ruined. It was so funny. In that course of action where the POW is freaking out in the OR, he ends up knocking over this IV bag full of blood and it breaks and it shatters on the floor and Trapper is freaking out because it's his patient and he was almost done working on him and then that kind of culminates in Trapper's patient not really doing as well as he would have if not for this kind of just incident. So as the story progresses, we find out that Trapper's patient is not doing well. Trapper even says, you know, now he's contaminated the whole OR when the bag fell. So we find out that the patient has an infection. And then eventually, near the end of the episode, Trapper has to go back in and re-operate on him. But before he can do that, the patient passes away and he dies from this infection. So, of course, Trapper is really, really upset about this because like we've established in the first season and even in this season up to this point, Hawkeye and Trapper are good doctors. They want to save people. They are invested (laughs) in saving people and making sure people live. And Trapper is so, so upset about this. So he goes into the POWs like room where they're keeping him and he's looming over him as if he's going to do something to cause the POW to die as well. And Hawkeye comes in and just with one sentence, he stops Trapper like right in his tracks and Hawkeye says, or he says, that's not what we're about. And I thought that that scene was just so intense and powerful, even though it only happened for like maybe two minutes out of the whole episode. It was, it was really, it was a great scene.
0: Yeah, this storyline is spread out across the episode. This is another kind of vignette style where we get recurring bits of Trapper kind of dealing with this along with other storylines. Um, so it's a little less directly intense when it's juxtaposed with like other more comedic stuff. Um, But yeah, this storyline with Trapper is very similar to the one I think in the, the season finale where he lost a patient there as well, or was like very frustrated about it. But the thing that makes it different is this scene where he comes in to the POW's like resting area. And this is so intense, even the way again, the way that shot the way that it focuses on his IV drip, kind of creating a link between the one that was destroyed and the one that he's using is like crazy, very well done cinematic direction where you get the entire uh, storyline just through visuals. And you get you get like, I thought he was gonna like squeeze it or something like kind of I don't know, like, poison him by, like, giving him too much, or, like, maybe that's what he was thinking. He didn't do it, obviously, but, uh, this is definitely a time where Trapper kind of almost goes rogue, and you're like, is he going to do something? I genuinely didn't know whether or not Trapper would go through with this. This is how well that is played, even though he's such a goofy character otherwise. This whole bit was kind of incredible and what made the episode so good for me is that the drama was here, man. It was so, so real.
1: Yeah, and I really liked the intensity that Wayne Rogers played during this whole scene because he was super, super intense and you could see it in his face, like great acting. And then when Hawkeye comes in and stops him, you see him deflate, like, sag and sigh, and he realizes, you know, that Hawkeye's right, and this is not what they do. And I just thought the whole scene was just fantastic acting from the actor who was playing the POW, because you could really see this. He was Mm -hmm. sweating. There was this fear on his face, and Wayne Rogers was so, so intense, and it was great. No dialogue was exchanged between the two at all. And... Uh, that, to me, added to the whole part of this episode. And I re- I, I really enjoyed it. It was good. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Definitely the most intense part of the episode. Kind of crazy to talk about it right up front uh, because there are lighter elements of this one. Like There's also a pretty fun subplot about Frank finally being fed up with uh, Clinger dressing up as a woman and wanting Henry to finally get him like, examined to see whether or not he would qualify for a Section 8 discharge. And this part is, like, pure comedy, like, fun time. Uh, and I found it so ironic because in this episode, Klinger saves everybody in the OR when the POW is, like, losing it a little bit. And this is the one where Frank is like, all right, well, you're useless and we cannot have you here. Like, he just proved himself that he's a valuable asset to this camp, this episode, and Frank is like, no, you're actually bad and we want you to leave.
1: (laughs) Yeah, leave it to Frank to just be like, you know, oh, this person's valuable? I don't like the way they dress, so therefore, get them away from me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, but it's really funny because how it culminates with Frank Wanting Klinger basically thrown out of the army <laughs> is he goes into Margaret's tent and Klinger is sitting there with um like an old fashioned hair dryer on his head and he's turned away from Frank and Frank thinks it's Margaret and like bites Klinger's shoulder or his neck or something and so he's embarrassed and Frank and Margaret go to Henry and they're like we need him out of the army get him out of here. <laughs>
0: I say it every time, but I love just the nonchalantness that Henry specifically approaches Clinger's whole deal with. Like, Clinger comes in and he's wearing, like, this, you know, fabulous dress. And Frank and Margaret are like, come on, this is ridiculous. And Henry, I forget the actress that he specifically mentions, but he's like, ah, yeah, I'll admit he's not, like, perfect for it, but he wears it pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> I I love the the nonchalantness that Henry approaches it with. I think it's so funny and so sweet. And I love Klinger. Like all of Klinger's bits in this one is really good.
1: I noted too that Henry being kind of so into Klinger's outfits was really funny because that comes back in the last part of the episode. And I really I really liked how this is just so commonplace for Klinger to be dressed as a woman. <laughs> He that doesn't Henry's even clock just like, it. "Well, okay." <laughs> and it was really funny.
0: We mentioned this earlier, but it was really funny that when Radar was doing his report and he had to uh put in that Klinger lost some his property. I think they mentioned that it was like like a bra got like snapped or something. And I I love that that's part of like I need a replacement for that, please.
1: <laughs> I also just want to say that there is no way that Klinger fills out a B-cup. I'm just saying. Oh yeah,
0: saying. <laughs> I know that too. I was like, wow, he's not entirely flat-chested. Good for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when Henry finally relents to Frank and Margaret, wanting Klinger evaluated and thrown out of the army, a psychiatrist comes, I think, from Seoul. And I don't know if you know this, but this character becomes a recurring character in the show. I did not know that. So... This is the first introduction of Sidney Friedman. He's a psychiatrist, and he his name is Milton Friedman in this episode, but it's later changed to Sidney. So I, I'm gonna call him Sydney.
0: Love some continuity restructuring, baby. Let's go.
1: So he is he's a great character. And I know him obviously already, but this being his first introduction is just so fun because right off the bat. He gets out of the Jeep and is stretching and this guy is saluting him and he's almost like thrown off by it because he is so much like Hawkeye in this sense of being a human being first and then being like in the army second. And that's why he gets along with Hawkeye so well later on. Of course, he doesn't have any interaction with him in this episode, but I also just I love this character. He is truly one of my favorite characters in MASH in, in its entirety.
0: That's really exciting. I love that this guy is in a one-off. I I liked him too. He was really funny. His reaction to Klinger wearing a dress was a real highlight. Uh the fact that Claire comes in and Henry again is just so like brain dead about it being weird at this point that he's <laughs> like, "All right, Klinger, like here he is. What what do you want to say about him?" And, uh, Sidney, I guess, gives him such a look of, like, utter confusion that, like, yeah, he should be Section 8. He's wearing a dress. That's crazy. Like, he's cannot process it. And to Henry, it's so normal that that juxtaposition between the two is, was so funny.
1: Yeah, he was so incredulous that he was called here from Seoul to evaluate this big, hairy man in a dress. And it was so, so funny. I absolutely loved it. So, again, eventually at the end of the episode, we get Sydney and Klinger in, I think it was Henry's office still. And Sydney says, You know, I'm granting you your Section 8. And Klinger is over the moon and just thrilled. And he's so excited. And Sydney is like, Yeah, I'm gonna say that you are a homosexual and you're a transvestite, and then you can get out of the army. And Klinger is so appalled and taken aback. Like, how could you say that I'm a transvestite and a homosexual? And of course, we know that that had connotations of being Mm -hmm. like bad and like social outcast and stuff like that. Yeah, and so you know, it was of course supposed to be played for laughs, but you know, there there was some negativity surrounding being gay at that time of course especially in the army but it wasn't super malicious in the sense that it was really sydney calling Klingers bluff on this whole section eight business of yeah if you were really crazy you wouldn't care what anyone had to say about you so i'm not granting you this section eight you're not crazy we all know that you're not actually gay so you're going to have to find a different way out of the army, buddy, is basically how I took it. And I thought that, that was really funny and really well done and just so not in a malicious way.
0: Yeah, no, I totally got that sense that uh, Sidney kind of knew, knew what was up and kind of knew that Klinger did not need a Section 8. It was totally just, I think the phrase that they use is bucking. He was just like bucking for it, mm-hmm. where it's not something that he actually needs. It was just something... That he's trying to do to you know essentially dodge the draft once he's already there
1: it was a it was a funny exchange and Klinger just storms out like how how dare you and then you know his that
0: pride was wounded
1: <laughs> and then sydney is basically just like yep did my job okay i'm going back to seoul now
0: very glad that we get to see this guy again i i even liked his look i liked his uh Thick afro kind of hair and I think mustache. Just good vibes all around from this man. We love Alan Arbus. Ooh. So in our final kind of storyline of the episode, it's mainly about Hawkeye trying to get into a relationship with this nurse who was uh cut by the POW during the initial scene. And uh, how they play this is really interesting. It was honestly kind of out of character for Hawkeye, but I think that... uh it like worked really well like on its own like merits as a contained episode. I thought it was a pretty fun storyline for him to have.
1: Yeah, I thought that this really spoke to Hawkeye's character. So to give it a bit more context, Hawkeye is really infatuated with this new nurse, uh, Lieutenant Johnson, and he is very intent on dating her and taking care of her after the POW slashes her. Even though literally she's fine. And he's in this, in this episode, he's like taking her temperature and checking her lymph nodes as if a cut on the hand is going to kill her. But okay, I guess infection, whatever. Um, but then in the scene right after the POW slashes her with the scalpel, he notices a wedding band on her ring finger and he immediately backs off. And like I said, to me, that was very telling for Hawkeye's character of, you know, yeah, he's like a womanizer and stuff like that, but he's not going to cross the line and do anything really bad in the moral sense of sleeping around with married women is just too much for him, which, you know, I, I appreciated like that. He doesn't want to be the other guy, you know?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> you remember when I told you about. Jacob and his girlfriend they watch the episode of Edwina and she like mm-hmm. hates him now because they're like a bunch of perverts <laughs> from that episode I'm yeah. like this is the episode that proves he's a good man uh he yeah. like, he doesn't want to sleep with a married woman he doesn't want to uh be the other man and him and trapper like talk about this and they uh it's very funny the way they do because trapper is like ah oh, come on I thought you just wanted to like hook up with her and he's like no 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 i I kind of kind of felt something real with her, man. Uh, and I can't do that with, like, a married woman. I don't want to, I don't want to cause any destruction or, like, whatever weird phrasing that Hawkeye always does, uh, where he's always, like, very verbose about, like, random things. Uh, it was very funny, and his whole react, like, interaction with this nurse and how the relationship develops... Uh, was really sweet and kind of like him being the most good guy he ever is.
1: Definitely in the relationship sense, for sure. Like this was Hawkeye at his most likable. I feel in terms of, you know, dating women and treating women in a certain way. Um, I also thought it was very telling that Trapper, who is married, was just like, ah, just sleep with the married woman. Who cares? (laughs) I liked that kind of juxtaposition between these two characters of Hawkeye just kind of being still like a really moral guy and Trapper not necessarily being a moral guy. But I do agree with you that it was very wholesome and sweet that Hawkeye didn't want to sleep with this married woman. And... How it comes about that she is actually not married is very funny to me because I personally know people who've done this. I've done this myself where she told Hawkeye that she is wearing her grandmother's wedding band to kind of ward off guys like Hawkeye who want to just like sleep with her and I thought that that was very funny and just still very relevant
0: (laughs) her phrasing of that was so funny too because she said like oh I wear my grandmother's wedding band because it wards off wrestling matches
1: (laughs) yeah or cuts down on the wrestling matches yeah that's so funny
0: (laughs) I love that phrasing that's so weird but like you get it it was really fun And then, you know, the the switch flips in Hawkeye's brain where he's like, oh, you're not married? Well, like, let's go at it then. (laughs) And uh, it was really funny because he, like, right after this, like, instead of just, like, hooking up with her, is, like, straight up talking about them, like, in a, like, deep relationship, like, going to get married. half joking but semi-serious where he's, like kind of in love with her and like wants to be in a relationship with her and this is kind of where he's kind of out of character for me but also it like works in the the episode sense of like i get it this is hawkeye feeling like a real romance for the first time in a while
1: yeah i now that you mention it it does make a little bit more sense of him just kind of like feeling that he doesn't just want to sleep with a nurse or you know whatever the case is and that he wants something more and i thought that that it was strange (laughs) um that he wanted to get married to this nurse after i don't know three days of meeting her but it makes more sense when you put it in that way of just him kind of having feelings for the first time in a long time and she doesn't really go for it actually which i thought that was honestly kind of cool I know that they had to do it for the episode's sake because they weren't going to have Hawkeye get into this long-term relationship with a nurse who, you know, is a guest star. But I liked that she said, you know, marriage is not my favorite institution and was just like, no, dude, don't even think about it.
0: And I love the the reversal of how Hawkeye usually acts, that he is legitimately kind of hurt by the fact that she doesn't want to marry him. Like... Last season ended with, or one of the episodes towards the last season, they thought it was a ceasefire. So Hawkeye broke up with all of his girlfriends by saying <laughs> that he was married. So yeah. it was like a nice little, like, karmic balance of him, you know, being a player. <laughs> uh, and just, it was really funny. This whole bit with, uh, with Hawkeye, I thought was really sweet. I kind of felt bad for him. It was, like, the first time that I think he's been rejected in this way. Uh, cause mm-hmm. He's such, like, a, a handsome, charming guy that I'm sure he's not used to dealing with someone willing to, to sleep with him but not willing to do anything else. That's uh, something that he's never personally experienced before. And it was, it was really funny. Could you imagine if the rest of the series, he was just married to this random woman? That'd be <laughs>
1: hilarious. It would be in continuity, I think, with the uh, book. That he's married back home. <laughs> so after all of that, too, I really liked the end. So that kind of wrapped up the episode, right? Of yeah. you know, Hawkeye not getting with the nurse that he wanted to get to, or they spend a night together. She is shipping off to Tokyo in the morning and whatnot. And then at the end of the episode, <laughs> Radar comes in with his report and asks Henry to sign it. Henry reads it and he goes, Not every week can be exciting, huh?
0: Yeah. And it was maybe the most exciting episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that this is like not even doesn't even scratch the surface of the shenanigans that the camp really gets into week by week. And I thought that that was really, really funny.
0: Yeah, this one is so good. I love the way it comes together. The way we're talking about it, it makes it seem like these are all very separate, but they do intertwine with each other in a really fun way. And like you said, the ending of Henry saying like, oh, this is a pretty boring week is like perfect. I loved it so much and like really brought up the episode as a whole for me.
1: Yeah, it's great. I really, as with a lot of episodes when I don't like them as much watching them. It's so much better when we talk about them. And like you said, we didn't really do this so much justice, but having an A, B, and C plot line was is kinda hard to talk about. But it does intertwine in a very, very fun way. And yeah, I just I liked this episode a lot.
0: What would you give it out of uh Martinis out of five?
1: Originally, you know, and I think I'm gonna stick with this with this as well, but I had it at a three, but I'm going to give it a 3.5.
0: Wow. Okay. You are not hot on this episode. You're just a little bit buzzed on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to have to go, go pretty far. I'm going to have to say this is like a 4.5 for me. This is a rock solid good time. I'm a little bit drunk on it. Uh, this is <laughs> so fun for me. If it would be better if it was uh, Hawkeye felt like he was a little more in character during his storyline. He is pretty different from the Hawkeye that we tend to see, uh, mm-hmm. kind of wanting to get married or be in a serious relationship. But otherwise, great episode. I really enjoyed the intensity. I really enjoyed the comedy. Klinger is top tier in this one. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, maybe I would get. Gi- I would give this one maybe like a three point seven five. In that case, ooh,
0: getting really granular.
1: I do like this episode. You know, the 0.75 is just like me eating the olives out of the martini. You know. <laughs> <laughs> do
0: you have any? Uh, do you have any trivia for us?
1: I do. So I'm not gonna get into the life and times of Alan Arbus in this episode because, like I said, Sydney does come back and I would rather save that for when he's more fleshed out as a character. But I do have some trivia about Joan Van Ark, who played Erica Johnson, the nurse that Hawkeye was falling in love with. So she had a pretty extensive career before MASH with a lot of guest starring roles in some TV movies, which was pretty cool. And I think we might have mentioned this uh, before, but if not, we're gonna say it again. So MASH was one of those TV shows that was known for kind of making people stars before they were stars. She is a great example of this as well, because like I said, she had a career before MASH, but right after MASH is when her career kind of started taking off and she was, she is best known for her roles in soap operas uh, called Knots Landing and The Young and the Restless. And oh, the, the Young, Young and, and the Restless... Restless. Is actually still on air. I don't think she's on it anymore, but she was. She originated like the main character role in *The Young and the Restless*, so that kind of catapulted her primetime career. So I thought that was really cool.
0: That's super fun. It makes sense that she has uh, a bigger career than this because she was very pretty, um, and you yeah. know that that's that's a big pull for a '70s actress. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good for her for having. Uh, Maybe the best career out of anyone we've talked so far, uh, (laughs) other than maybe Ron Howard.
1: (laughs) She has also more recently been um, a guest judge on Drag Race. She's done voices in a lot of stuff, most notably, I think, um, Archer. And she has also guest starred in episodes of Nip Tuck. So I thought that that was really cool. You know, you look at her filmography, she's just been in so much stuff as a guest star and I I really like to see her as this young fresh face on Mash.
0: I'm gonna frantically IMDb search to figure out who she is in Archer because I love Archer, <laughs> and I love that this uh this woman is just secretly in a lot of things. Uh, good for her having such an extensive career even to this day. So just to wrap up. We'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your Balco for being our technical consultant. Vanessa's sister Melissa for our awesome cover art. Thank you very much and, of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contact for the show are linked in the description. And join us next week when we talk about For the Good of the Outfit. Until then, wear a floor-length dress during the day. Goodbye, farewell, and amen.
1: Bye, everyone.